turn to your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 6, verse number 1. Daniel chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1 as we go to the Lord. Daniel 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 set straps over the whole kingdom. And over these, these governors of whom Daniel was one, that the set straps might be given account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then Daniel distinguished himself above all of the governors because of his excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to settling him over the whole realm. So the governors and set straps sought to found some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find or charge any fault towards him, for he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Look at verse number 3, and this is going to be our pinpoint uh, scripture this morning. Verse number 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors because he had an excellent spirit. Because he had an excellent spirit. Shout an excellent spirit. Excellent spirit. This morning, just for a few moments, I want to preach on that thought. Daniel, an excellent spirit. Daniel, an excellent spirit. Daniel, an excellent spirit. I want to ask you a question today, and I want you to really think about this. I mean, I really want you to really give thought to this question that I'm going to ask you. When you come to the end of your life, would you rather regret the things that you have done or the things that you didn't do. Think about that. When you come to the end of your life, would you prefer to regret the things that you did, or would you prefer to regret the things that you did not do? I'll just repeat it one more time. I want it to sink in. When you come to the end of your life, would you prefer to regret the things that you did in your life, the wrong things, the sinful things, or would you prefer to regret the things that you've, you failed to do, missed opportunities? Now, as a preacher of the gospel, I want to inform you that all your regrets, the things that you have done in your life, we do understand and according to Scripture, they're forgiven. And that deserves an amen right there. They are forgiven. So no matter how you feel or what you're wrestling with or what you're struggling with or what you have done in your past, we know according to Scripture that the blood of Jesus on Calvary forgives us of all of our sins no matter whether we feel like we're forgiven or not. By faith, we receive it. But, but, what kind of medicine is there for missed opportunities? The blood of Jesus forgives us of all of our sins in our past. But it doesn't take care of the missed opportunities. It doesn't fix the things that you should have done, but you did not do. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It takes care of the things that we did that we regret. But it doesn't take care of the things that you should have done and you missed an opportunity. When you come to the end of your life, the blood of Jesus forgives you of your sins and what you have done, but it will not take care of the things that you have failed to do. That's your responsibility. That is your responsibility. God didn't just create you to exist, ladies and gentlemen. Brothers and sisters, my friends, He didn't create you just to sit and sour and soak. He didn't just create you just to exist, just to let life happen to you. You're just sitting by the wayside while everybody else is making progress. That's not God's plan for you. You were created to do more. You see, Paul said to the church, the church in Ephesus, he said, he said I'm praying for you that you would experience the above and beyond and exceeding amount of His presence. 
He wants you to experience everything that you can in life. And your greatest hindrance in life is yourself. It's not the church. It's not the clergy. It's not the laity. It is yourself. You are your greatest hindrance. And when we come to the end of our life, the blood of Jesus forgives us of our sin, but it will not take care of your missed opportunities that you should have done. And I've got to ask the question, what makes people successful? What makes people succeed in life? Why is it that some people seem to succeed and other people seem to fail? What is it that some people, it seems like it's easier for them to make progress in life, while with you, it is a struggle week after week and week after week? What is the secret? Or is there a secret? What causes people to succeed? And what causes people to prosper in life? Because I'm convinced that nobody wants to be a loser. Nobody wants to be a failure. Nobody wants just to exist. Everybody wants to be loved and to love something. Everybody wants to have value. Everybody wants to feel like they're contributing to something bigger than themselves. But what is the secret of why is it that some people succeed and they prosper while other people, it seems like it's just hard for them to break the glass ceiling. You know, and I don't think it is a secret. I don't think it is some kind of formula. I don't think that there is some kind of code that you need to break to be successful in life. But I do believe it is an attitude. It is a mindset that you've got to cultivate in your life. It is a different spirit. It is a different mindset. It is a different attitude. You see, if you study history, and you study about men and women who have made a great difference and contributed to history, and even the Bible, you will find that they were ordinary people who had a different spirit and a different heart and a different attitude. There wasn't nothing extra special about them. It wasn't because they had a special degree or they succeeded because of their family name or because they had money. Most people who succeeded in life came from adverse conditions and unfortunate situations. They were ordinary people, but they made a mark in history. And the reason that they made a mark in history is because they distinguished themselves with a different heart. They distinguished themselves with a different spirit. They distinguished themselves with a different attitude. It's nothing extra special. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a special gift. You don't have to have something like that to make you succeed in life. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it is an attitude, it is a mindset, and it is a spirit. I'm reminded of the scripture I read to you that Daniel, here the Bible says in Daniel 6 and verse 3, that Daniel distinguished himself above the governors because he had an excellent spirit. There was something different about Daniel that caused him to succeed. I'm reminded, and this scripture will be behind me, I'm reminded of a, another person in the Bible who had a different spirit. His name was Caleb. The Bible says in Numbers, chapter number uh, 14, verse 25. Numbers 14 and verse 25. I want you to pay attention to the wording here about Caleb. You see, Daniel had an excellent spirit, but yet, you also go to the book of Numbers and you'll find that somebody else had an excellent spirit. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, it states this, and I want you to see it very clearly. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Do you see it? You see, Caleb had a different spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Now I can go on and on in scripture, but I just want to stop here to let you know that it doesn't take a gift to make you succeed. It doesn't take a family name to make you succeed. It doesn't take money to make you succeed. It doesn't take prosperity to make you succeed. It doesn't take a preacher to make you succeed. It doesn't take a church to make you succeed. It takes somebody with an excellent spirit, a different spirit that will rise above the unfortunate situation and say, it may have happened to my mama. It may have happened to my daddy. It may have happened to my siblings, but it's going to stop here. It's going to stop now. I'm going to be different. I'm going, oh, somebody better help me out. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. And we can make all the excuses in the world of why your life has turned out the way it's turned out. It's turned out the way it's turned out is because you have made it turn out that way. 
But you don't know how bad I've been hurt. I don't know. The hurt in your life is not, it's, you didn't cause it. We sympathize with the hurt. But your healing is your responsibility. Now you can mope around, this person done me wrong, this church done me wrong, this preacher done me wrong, my ex done me wrong, my kids don't love me, I didn't go to school, I'm not as talented as someone. You can just make the excuses all you want and you can sit by the wayside and let life pass you by where everybody else is succeeding. You've got to make up your mind that you're going to have a different spirit, a different attitude, a different perspective different spirit but my Caleb my servant Caleb has a different spirit Daniel had an excellent spirit the Bible says in Daniel 6 3 that he distinguished himself because he had an excellent spirit he had a different spirit let me just remind you that Daniel let me just give you just a brief history lesson. Daniel is a Jew. Everybody shout, a Jew. And guess what the neighboring country did? The Babylonians went in to Israel or Palestine. And guess what they did? They burned their houses, burned the temple, raped their women, and the Babylonians, who is the enemy, took approximately 4,000 men and brought them into Babylon. And the Babylonians said to the men, we want you to serve us. We've chosen the strongest men, the most talented men, and we want you to serve us in our country. Your country is burned to the ground. Your women are raped. Your children are abused. We've burned down your temple. We've burned down your houses. It's over. And Daniel was one of those young men who was taken from his home and brought into a foreign country, into Babylon. And Daniel not only was taken, but thousands of others were taken. But you'll do know that Daniel had three close friends. They were very close to him. Their names, you are familiar with, was changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was Daniel's three friends. They were in Babylon too. They wouldn't worship the Babylonian gods, so they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Daniel finds himself in Babylon, in a foreign country. He's not a Babylonian. He is a Jew. He is an outsider. But all of a sudden, get this church, the king or the emperor, Darius, decided to favor him. Now, why would Daniel be favored? He is a Jew. He is a captive he is a prisoner. Why would he be favored? Because there was something different about him. That the king of Babylon said, You're different, dude. All those other men I took from your city, you're the only one that's different. There's something special about you. There is something different about you. And the Bible says... He has an excellent spirit. He was an outsider given favor. He was an outsider given favor by a Babylonian empire. That's unheard of. But that's what an excellent spirit will do for you. An excellent spirit will cause you to succeed in hostile situations. An excellent spirit will give you a promotion without a degree in money. An excellent spirit will give you favor with people while everybody else is getting laid off and they keep you on because there's something different about you. You become indispensable to the company. An excellent spirit opens doors to you that you're not qualified. You don't have the degree for it. You don't have the money for it. You come from the wrong side of the tracks. Come on, somebody. You don't even have the outfit for the job. Come on. You don't even know how to spell stuff on the resume. You don't even know how to pronounce certain words, but somehow, some way, you got the job because there is something different about your spirit, something different about your attitude, something different about your mindset. 
It doesn't take a gift to open doors for you. It takes a different spirit. What is an excellent spirit? You say, well, pastor, what is an excellent spirit? This is what an excellent spirit is. An excellent spirit is when you expect more of yourself than what is required of others. That's what an excellent spirit is. It's what you expect more of yourself than what is required of others. When you give 110% to everything that you are committed to and what you are connected to, that is an excellent spirit. If it bears your name, it is worth your best. Whatever my name is attached to, I'm going to give my very best to it because I have a different spirit. I have an excellent spirit. I am not going to do what's just required. I'm going to go beyond what is required because if it deserves my best, it deserves His praise. Very few people have an excellent spirit. Do you know that according to um, the Business Journal uh, several years ago, it stated that most people are mediocrity. Most people are, you know, they're late to work. They complain. Most people, uh, um, you know, uh, have a bad attitude. I mean, that's primarily of the workplace. And the, the reason for that is there was a poll done and it says the reason why people have a bad uh, attitude at the workplace is because they don't like the job. Well, I know that that makes sense. But maybe the reason why we're not succeeding even in the workplace is because you have the same spirit that everybody else has. You're not being distinguished like Daniel was distinguished. There's nothing different that speaks of your life. Now, I thought about this. What would be the enemies of having an excellent spirit? Like, what would, what would the main things be that would be an enemy of an excellent spirit? I'm going to give you three of them very quickly. Number one, a sense of entitlement. People who feel like they are entitled is not going to give their very best. People who feel like they're entitled, they're not going to have an excellent spirit. Now, let me explain this to you. A person who is entitled feels like it's due to them it's owed to them because of who they are, what they've done, and where they've went. And because of, because of my name. I've done this. I went to this school. I've been recognized here. I've sung on this platform. I've sung to thousands. This is, this is me. And because this is what I have done, then it's due to me and owed to me. People like that don't want to go through the process. I've heard people, even as I've been pastor here, they said, well, pastor, I don't want to go through all these classes. I've, I have done ministry for 30 years. Why do I need to do that? That is a spirit of entitlement. Oh, I'm preaching good here. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you've done. It's not about all your past achievements. It's about following the process. And people who have a spirit of entitlement think that it's owed to them. They won't serve until somebody asks them to serve. Ugh. They're not going to pick up the broom and serve until you beg them to serve. Because they feel like someone or someone or something owes them more than what they owe you. A spirit of entitlement. A spirit of entitlement rolls their eyes and say, you just better be glad that I showed up to help you. Because if you knew what I've done, you would roll out the red carpet. How dare you ask me to take a class and go through a process if you have knew the stage I've stood on and all the thousands of people I've sung to. And all the people I've preached to. And all the countries of the world that I've went. I've had one preacher several years ago told me, listen, listen. He told me this. Listen. I preached in Africa to 100,000 people. I said to the man, but this ain't Africa. This is Christ Point Church. And if you're going to be submitted to the process, you're going to have to do it the way we've asked you to do it. y'all still love me? Y'all okay? So we've got to break this spirit of it's owed to me 
serve me, ask me, beg me to help you, because if you really knew what I am worth, a spirit of entitlement. That is why I found, listen, pastor, that is why I found that some people will hate you and you don't even know why they hate you. You're like, dude, what did I do to you? You know why some people hate you? Because you're demonstrating 110% at the workplace and they're, they're not. And so they're, they're, they, they feel very insecure by your productivity because you have a different spirit than anybody else in the office. And the job, the boss is starting to recognize there's something different about him. There's something different about her. They're not acting like everybody else. They don't have the same attitude or mindset. They're rising above the negativity and they're exemplifying a different spirit. And some people is going to hate that spirit in you because they feel like I have worked here for 20 years. I am entitled to a pay raise. I'm entitled to a promotion. I'm entitled, pastor, to preach. You will preach behind this pulpit when you're faithful to church. That's when you'll preach. You'll be, when you're faithful and you've demonstrated faithful with your resources and church attendance and you have a different spirit and you know how to clean the toilets, then that is where ministry starts. And when you can do ministry there, then you can take a microphone and you can tell us how to live our lives. I want to see a different spirit. Now, I'm not mad this morning. I'm actually very encouraged. I've studied. I feel good. I'm just letting you know this is the word of the Lord today. This is the word of the Lord. A spirit of entitlement. Number two, what will hinder an excellent spirit is the lack of vision. Now, that, that's really nothing to shout about until you, get, until you see this. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Now get this. Remember I told you that Daniel is in Babylon. Everyone say Babylon. And Daniel was a what? Jew. And is he taken from his home? Is he in captivity? He's an outsider, right? And the, the emperor of Babylon promotes him. Now stop. Do you realize... If you look at the book of Daniel, the emperor is Darius. But the emperor before that failed. He became a failure in the kingdom. The emperor before that was Nebuchadnezzar. He falls as an emperor. So you have two other emperors before Darius, and they were complete failures. Complete failures. And Daniel served all three of them. Two of them are failures. The kingdom was in shambles. Now Darius comes along. Darius chapter 6 verse 1. Darius comes along with a new idea. Look at verse 1. Daniel 6 1. He comes along with a new idea. He says, you know what I'm going to do? The two emperors before me, they were failures. So I'm going to do something different. I'm going to divide my kingdom up in providences or districts and I'm going to put people over it, then I'm going to put a governor over them. And so he chose Daniel as one of the governors. So Darius is trying to clean up the mess that the previous administration made. Sounds like politics, don't it? So... Now get this, because I thought about this. Daniel is now serving under Darius. Darius is trying to keep the kingdom together because his other predecessors were failures. And now Daniel has an excellent spirit now. Now stop here. Let me ask you this question. And this, this plays a lot even with church people and life. People say, why do I need to bring excellence 
to something that I'm in if I see that it's going to be a failure anyway. Daniel could have said, I'm not going to have an excellent spirit because the other two administrations were failures. Why am I going to serve Darius? Because it's going to be a failure again. Daniel could have said, I'm not going to give my best. I'm not going to have an excellent spirit because I suspect it's going to be a failure just like the other two administrations. And isn't that what people will do in life? Let me ask you a question. What does something have to look like that you are committed to for you to determine to have an excellent spirit? What does something have to look like that you are committed to for you to give your very best to? People will say, they may not say it, but they think it. I'll give my best and I'll have an excellent spirit if it's big. If it's big, I'll give my best. You let me preach before 400 people, I'll give my best, pastor. If it's big, I'll give my best. No, if you've got an excellent spirit, you'll come and you'll have a great attitude as you clean the toilets. Can I hear an amen? If you really have an excellent spirit, it comes out of you whatever you do. Can I just preach a little bit? Having an excellent spirit is not what I do. It is who I am as a person. Did you hear me? It's not what I do. It's who I am as a person. How do you just switch off being excellent? I ain't going to be excellent. How do you do that? Because being excellent isn't what I do. It's who I am. And even whatever I do, I want to be excellent at it. I don't choose what to be excellent. It is in my spirit. It is in my heart. Now, it's interesting to me that people say, I won't commit to excellence if I don't think what I'm committing to will reward me or recognize my excellence the right way. I won't commit to excellence if I don't think what I am committed to will reward me or recognize my excellence the right way. Let, let that sink in. I'm not going to commit. I'm not going to commit to that measly little service because it's, in the end it's not going to reward me or recognize my hard work. I'm not going to commit to excellence if I don't think what I'm committed to will reward me or recognize me the right way. It's excellence doesn't require recognition. Excellence is its own reward all by itself. I won't commit to being excellent because it won't reward me. I need to be rewarded for my excellence or I'm not going to do it. If it's not big and grander, then I'm not going to give my best because my excellence is only given to those things that I deem worthy to give my best? Really? Is, is this the type of Christianity we're developing? A spirit of entitlement? You want to skip the process because everybody should know how gifted you are? We, we want to only give excellence to those things that we think is big and not the insignificant things? 
That's an enemy of excellence. I'm trying to tell you, church, that a Caleb spirit, a spirit that has a different spirit, a Daniel that has an excellent spirit, that is cultivated in the heart of a man or woman that has spent time with Christ and they've made a decision that is not what they do, it is who they are as a person. And whatever they do, whether it's small or insignificant or whether it's big, their attitude is the same, no matter if it's here or there, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same. It's, it's a spirit of entitlement. It's, it's a lack of vision. We only see what we want to see. Number three, it's mediocrity. Just doing just enough. Just enough. And just enough is not enough, folks. We don't serve a God of just enough. Egypt is the land of never enough. They never had enough mortar to make the bricks, to make the pyramids. They never had enough. They were whipped and beat in Egypt he was a taskmaster. They never had enough. God delivered them and they went through the wilderness and they had just enough. Just enough manna for the day. Just enough water for the day. But God eventually led them to Canaan land, the land of more than enough. A land of flowing with milk and honey. A land of seven different types of food, while the wilderness had, or Egypt had six types of food. Six is the number of man, not enough. If you depend on man, you'll never have enough. The number six. But when God brings you through the wilderness of just enough and brings you through Canaan land, which is a land of more than enough, you have more to meet your need, and not only your need, but you have enough to meet somebody else's need. I need this to pay my bills. That's selfish. You should be living in the land of Canaan saying, I want to have enough to take care of my bills, but I want to be a river, not a reservoir. I want to bless somebody else that don't have enough. I want to have an excellent spirit. An average spirit takes care of themselves while an excellent spirit thinks outside of the box. Are you living in Egypt, the land of never enough? Are you living in the wilderness, the land of just enough? Are you living in Canaan land, the land of more than enough? You know, as I studied that progression, do you know what I saw? In Egypt, they had garlic, did they not? Is it what they complained? They said to Moses, send us back. At least we had garlic in Egypt. You've given us this bread. We don't even know what it is. It floats out of the sky. We've got to get out and pick it up every day. God forbid we have to work. Got to get out and pick all the manna up. At least in Egypt, we could have had, you know, garlic. We, could have, we didn't have to work for all this. We worked hard enough in Egypt. You know, it's interesting that garlic produces bad breath. And let's just read into this spiritually. I know what phase you are in, in your spiritual life, by what's on your breath. If it's negativity, you're still in Egypt, baby. If your mouth is still speaking negativity and you still got a sour attitude and a spirit of entitlement and everybody's got to run after you and pat you on the back and serve you, you are still in Egypt. Your breath stinks. Somebody needs to say, I'm not going to stay under Pharaoh any longer. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move out of this place. I'm going to go with the gold of Egypt and I'm going to move to Canaan land. You'll be around somebody just for a few moments and you can tell what's on their breath. You can tell what's on their breath. I am asking you to have an excellent spirit. I'm asking you to serve with a great heart whether you're rewarded or recognized or pat on the back. 
I'm asking you to serve with a heart because you love Jesus and you love His church. I'm asking you not to wait for somebody to beg you to serve, but you have the audacity on the inside of you because of what He has done for me. I want to give my very best for Him. I want you to have the same attitude of excellence no matter if you're changing a baby's diaper or whether you're preaching a sermon. I want you to have the same attitude. Whether you're serving in the nursery or the kids' church, you've got the same attitude. Because in the end, God is the one that promotes. And a person who has excellent spirit, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. If you keep sowing excellence, even in adverse conditions, even in a hostile situation, even when you're not rewarded or recognized, even when you're hurting yourself because sometimes you've got to serve as you suffer. Sometimes you've got to worship as you're wounded. Can I hear it? Amen. Sometimes you've got to press through that thing. And if you will do that and continue to sow that, I promise you, all that little shoveling of service, God's going to get a backhoe and put a blessing on you that you can't contain. Quit making excuses of why you can't do what you can do. It's hard to find an excellent spirit. We have people in church that can't even pay attention for 30 minutes in a sermon. Mind's so distracted. Go in the parking lot. What did he preach on? I don't know. It was good, though. Some of us need to put the dang cell phone down and grow up and get some priorities about your life and say it's going to stop here, it's going to stop today. I'm going to pick up my boy pants, pull them up, and I'm going to accept the challenge and I'm going to have an excellent spirit whether they like it or whether they roll their eyes at me. I'm going to press through this thing and I'm going to make something of myself. Quit complaining. Quit griping. Because they don't treat you the way that you think they should be treated. You're not even reading the Bible. Jesus said if you love people who love you, you're no worse than the pagans. You've got to love and outdo people in love. You've got to do it. You've got to raise the bar in your life. Listen, if I would have went by my life, I would have been on drugs shooting up this morning, living on the streets. And I'm talking about myself. I don't mean to talk about myself, but I'm letting you know. I mean, I've difficult. I had to go through counseling because it was so difficult. Seriously. Learn to forgive and let things go. But I made a decision as a little boy. I don't want to live this way. I made a decision as a little boy. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. Whatever the price, you can call me whatever. You can call me a nerd. You can call me a geek. You can call me whatever you want to call. Call me the names. In the end, I'm the one that's going to have to answer to God. I'm the one that's going to have to keep my relationship with. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But in the end, I'm going to answer to God. And I refuse to live that way, talk that way, go that way. I want to be different. I want to have a spirit that changes the world. And I, I, don't, I don't like this passiveness, this cowardness, this barely making it. The world is so bad to me. I don't get along with that spirit. Because I had to fight through hell growing up. I had to believe, nobody paid for my school. I had to believe God all the way. Remember, I had to drive the church bus because I didn't even have a car. My car broke down in the middle of the highway and some person just pu pushed it in the ditch. I remember crying in the middle of the street because I was pastoring a church. I didn't have no money. I couldn't even eat. But I remember telling myself going across the street, it's not going to be like this all the time. 
I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve those people and I'm going to love people. I'm going to love them in the face of adversary. I'm going to, if I've got to walk to school, I'm going to walk to school because I'm not going to be another statistic. I am going to go and make something of myself. I was determined. I remember I had to borrow $5 from the gas station clerk who went to my church because I couldn't even, didn't have gas money to go to school. I was so embarrassed. But I made a decision. As I made a decision that I, I, can't, I don't want to be that way. I want to be different. You can call me whatever, you can call whatever. I don't care anymore. I want to be different. I want to make an impact in the world. People who complain and with their arms folded and roll their eyes and complain about these people don't make any difference. They're not going to make a difference. They're going to have a wound-licking fest where they just lick their wounds week after week. I've been hurt. Pastor didn't shake my hand. Pastor didn't do this. Just sitting around. We, we just need to, get a, we need to get a small group and call it the Wound Licking Fest group and get around, go around a circle and tell everybody how bad life's been and dear God, how bad the church been to you. Let's just, let's just let's break it down. The church is really bad, isn't it? But let me just put you on a boat and send you across seas and let's see what your perception of church is. Where you've got to walk miles just to attend. God forbid, you know, we can't come Sunday night, Wednesday, because it's just too much on us. Let me just ship you over there and see that you've got to walk miles just to have a church service. I'm really not mad. I love you guys. <laughs> I just feel really excited. <laughs> And sometimes I've just got to decide I just can't preach flowery messages all the time. I've just got to just cut the corn today and I've just got to let you know this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I mean, mean, you're not going to find a pastor that loves you more than I love you. I'm committed to be here. I seriously am. I'm not on the internet looking at somewhere else to go. I love you. I'm committed. I want to raise a family here. I want to send my school, I want to send my kids to school. Here. I, want to, I want to be with you. But I want to develop through the power of the Holy Spirit a church that glorifies God in everything that we do, that we become an oasis right here in the four-state area, that there's something different about this church. Come on, somebody. We, we, may, we may sing the same songs that the church up the street sings. We may sing the same. We may even do the same things that they do. But when they come here, they're going to say, uh, they sing the same stuff, but there's something different. Woo! Somebody rejoice. There's something different about this place. There's some kind of tangible power and anointing that's here that's not found up there. There's a different spirit here. The people who washes the dishes and cleans the toilet are happy to do it. People who shake hands at the door really want you to be here. Something different. That we've cultivated an atmosphere of excellence. That we give our very best because if it has his name on it, it deserves our best. Amen. 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 Now, since I can't believe I broke a sweat. I really did, Sandra. I broke a sweat. It's been a while since I broke a sweat. (laughs) Brother Mike, I'm going to do this. I'm going to prophesy. Now, what is prophecy? Prophecy is edification, exhortation. That's what prophecy is. Sometimes you can prophesy or speak things into existence. Is that right? Call those things that though they aren't, though they 
Because that's what I do all the time. I come in here and speak to all these chairs. I speak to the front up here. I talk to this building. It sounds ignorant. It sounds stupid. But Sister LaDonna, I talk to my checkbook. I get my checkbook out. Give me my checkbook over here. I get my checkbook out. Yeah, right there. And I'm still old school. It's all highlighted right here. Because I want to know where all this money's going to, y'all. Get my checkbook out. I lay my hands on it. I say, Lord, I do this. Lord, I'm a giver. I put you first. I thank you that money's not an issue for you. I thank you that the angels of God is going to get my harvest and they're gathering it up and they're bringing it to me on the four corners of this region. They're bringing it to me. I thank you for unexpected miracles. I thank you. Listen, you wouldn't even believe. Sister Mona, stand up. Could you testify in three months we've had a change in finances? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Unexpected. Mona comes to my office and says, who is giving all, who's giving this money online? There's people not even connected to the church just giving money. I said, it doesn't matter who they are, baby. It doesn't matter who they are. Somebody help me out. I said, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you just got to get up and you got to speak the word. You got to have faith. You got to declare and say, no longer am I going to live this way. Sometimes you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am getting married. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to talk to yourself. Say, well, I didn't know I looked this good. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to talk to yourself. I seriously don't do that. <laughs> Give me a high five, y'all. <laughs> uh, Oh, Lord. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm not going to tell you what someone said this morning. <laughs> Amen. So, I prophesy in the name of Jesus the Lord over Christ Point Church. That this church will be a different church with a different spirit, a spirit of Caleb, an excellent spirit of Daniel. I thank you that you're raising the bar. You're taking us from glory to glory. You're taking us from point A to point B, from one to two to three to four. You're bringing us from one level to another level. I prophesy that the level of the anointing is increasing. The expectation is increasing. I thank you for unexpected miracles, miracles financially. I thank you for resources coming. I thank you that every seat is filled, that we don't even, we have to get seats out. I thank you that this is only the beginning of what you said would happen. I thank you that the river of God, that even though it's ankle deep, it's moving to my knees. And from my knees, it's moving to my hips. And from my hips, it is a river I've got to swim in. I thank you that there is a change in the atmosphere and the glory and the power of God will be stronger than it's ever been in the name of Jesus. I thank you that the devil is defeated and God is exalted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody give God praise today. Somebody give God praise today. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise today. Hallelujah. I said the devil is defeated. One more time, put your hands together and say, today I've made a decision. I'm going to be different. Come on, put those hands together. Listen to pastor, your hurt is legitimate. I'm not trying to belittle your hurt. You need to acknowledge it. But your healing is your responsibility. And in the scriptures, any time that someone wanted to get healed, God gave them a responsibility. The man that had the withered hand, Jesus said, I'm going to heal you, but you got to stretch your hand out.
blind Barnabas, he can't see. But you've got to do something, blind Bartimaeus. And the Bible says, and he cried louder than the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood, it wasn't her fault she was sick, but she had to do something. She pressed through the crowd and said to herself, I've got to touch the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. Y'all understand what I'm saying? There was a dead man by the name of Lazarus. Stinketh for four days. It wasn't his fault. But there had to, something had to be done. He told those Jewish leaders, I want you to remove the stone in front of that dead man. You do something first before I raise that man from the dead. And they removed the stone and he called him forth and they loosed him and let him go. I'm telling you, you can sit there and whine and complain and gripe. Nothing's going to change. you got to take responsibility. you got to get up. you got to shake yourself like Samson. you got to shake yourself and say, I'm not going to let the Philistines kill me. I'm going to kill more in the end than I have ever done in my life. Because even though they took Samson's eyes out, the Philistines took his eyes out, but they didn't take these eyes out. You got another set of eyes. These eyes see sick people. These eyes... Brother Doug sees people who are depressed. These eyes see things. But there's another set of eyes on the inside of me. Because you know what, Sister Mona, you know what Samson did? Samson said, take me, take me to the pillars. But I see on the inside of me, I see me defeating the Philistines. Just help me get there. Help me get there. And let me tell you, the devil wants to take out these eyes. But you can't let him take out the eyes on the inside of you. you got to start seeing yourself saved. you got to start seeing yourself healed. you got to start seeing your... Come on, somebody. you got to see with this nether center. as a little boy, Brother Mike, I saw with another set of eyes. Because as a little boy, and I, I don't like people when they, when they exalt their testimony so much, you just get tired of hearing it. But I don't know anything about you, so I'm talking about my life. So I saw with another set of eyes. Hell around me. But I got a cardboard box and put my G.I. Joe men in the box. And I saw myself in that box pastoring those G.I. Joe men. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying? And you know what I saw? You know what I saw? I went back to my closet, Brother Bob, and I got a whole nother bag of G.I. Joe men. And I poured them all on the floor. And I said, Sister LaDonna, my church is really growing. So I went and got another box. And I cut the back of the box off and connected it to the one box and filled it up with G.I. Joe men. And then I went and got my California raisins. And they all got saved too. Come on, somebody. He-man got saved and she-man got saved. All of them was crammed into the box. And you know what I did? Oh, somebody better help me. I got two other boxes and cut out the sides and I kept filling them with G.I. Joe. My mom used to come in and say, baby, what are you doing? I said, I'm having church. She said, why are you having church with G.I. Joe men? I said, they're the only ones that want to get saved. They're the only ones that want to get saved. So when I was 11 years old, my parents saw me doing this all the time. They went and got me a little microphone, a microphone, you know, that little microphone and you could click on it. And lights would shine up. Well, I thought I was big stuff then. So I, got, I was 11 years old. I got my microphone. And my cousin, Tasha was her name. And we would play together. And I would make her come to church. And I told her to sit right there. And I'd preach to her. And she would say, Joshy, I'm tired of hearing the same thing over and over and over. I said, but you got to stay right there because i got something else to say. So I started preaching. And then i tell her, I want you to come up here. I want you to stand right here. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to fall out on the floor. And I'm going to put an American flag over you to cover you up. Then I tell her, lay there. I use shampoo as oil. I rub it all over her head because I didn't have no oil. I rubbed it. Then I'd stand at the door and shake hands. I said, we're going to go to the kitchen and we're going to have something to eat. I couldn't find anything to eat. So you know what I got? I got cheese out. I laid cheese out on the table and I love hot sauce. So I took hot sauce and poured cheese all over, or the hot sauce all over the cheese. And she said, Joshy, I don't like this. I said, you're going to eat it and be happy because this is my church. So she'd eat it. 
What are you saying? That even as a little boy, I had to see beyond these eyes. And I had to see with these eyes. And if you're ever going to make it, if you're ever going to go from where God wants to take you, you've got to learn to see with another set of eyes. So I stand up here week after week. And I choose to see with another set of eyes. Years ago, I was praying, and I saw the street in Annie Baxter. Cars lined up down the street. I saw it. We left that building. I thought, well, you know, we were full there, but I didn't, I didn't actually see cars all the way up and down the street. And one Sunday morning, I got in my car. I was coming here. I was driving. And lo and behold, I thought, why is all these cars lined up down this street? And the Holy Ghost said to me, I showed it to you years ago, but it wasn't your church. It was Impact Church. I said, that's all right, Lord. That's all right, Lord. And then one time I was in here, I was praying. I was walking around, I was crying. I was touching these seats, and I saw, I didn't see cars, but this time I saw a river. And I saw those two, I honestly saw it. I saw two, the two doors, they were open and the sun was shining. I was walking around and I saw a river. I actually saw a river flowing in here. It was just, just, just very lightly, it was just flowing in here. And I was crying so hard. I wrote it down in my journal. I said, Lord, what are you trying to say? He says, what I want to do here is going to start real slow. As a matter of fact, a lot of people ain't going to even recognize it. It's just going to be a little trickle of water flowing in. He says, but as you press through and as you pray and as you believe he says the water is going to get deeper and deeper and deeper until one day somebody's going to say I didn't realize it was this deep already but he says but I already started it years ago I already put it in motion years ago you don't even realize that the water is flowing it's only to your ankles now but there's coming a day that it's going to get to your knees and from your knees it's going to get to your hips and from your hips it's going to be a river that you got to swim in. I said, the Lord said, the reason, the reason I'm sending the river of my presence first is because if I sent all the people first, you wouldn't have the capability to heal them or deliver them. But if I send the river first, they're going to come in in the midst of the river and the river's going to heal them. The river's going to deliver them. The river's going to save them. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you today, I'm telling you today that the presence of God is here. I said the presence of God is here. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I know I preached a lot today. I didn't get to preach at all this week. That's all right. I just, I had to deliver what was on my heart. Can we wait on the Lord for a moment before we go? Hallelujah. I just, we, we got a few, it's, it's still early. We got about 10 minutes before 12. Can we just have an old-fashioned come to the altar with our hands lifted? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to obey the Spirit. I want us to cry out for the river of God. Is that all right? Come on, let's just get out of our seat. Hallelujah. If you're able and you're willing, nobody, you don't have to. If you're new to Christ's point, you don't have to. Don't do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. But those that will, hallelujah. Those that will, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Cindy, I know this is your first, I mean, you're new here, and I don't mean to embarrass you or your husband, but I do feel like the Lord gave me a, a specific word. You know I don't talk to you. But the Lord would say this to you, that your children, you have given your children years ago to the Lord. 
And the Lord is saying to you that it is in my hands now. And I will do greater and more splendid things in their life than you could ever imagine. Release them. Let them go because my hands are bigger. And I'm going to use them. Hallelujah. I'm just following the Holy Spirit, Portia, and I'm just, this is what I sense the Lord, somebody stand behind her, just since the Lord is saying that you did nothing wrong, there was nothing that you in particular did wrong, it's just life that happens, and so you felt tremendous guilt and regret, but the Lord says today you be free from that, you did nothing wrong, you did your very, very best. And because you did your best, and you did it with the right heart, it was pleasing to God, and you did what's best. And the Lord says, that situation, I'm going to take care of it. It's not going to be in your time. It may even be later than you think. But in the end, that person will come back to him. It will. That's a promise. Hold on to the promise that she will come back. She will eventually come back. But you be released from any guilt or regret. You be free in the name of Jesus. You did what's one, you did what's right. In the name of Jesus the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your freedom. Hallelujah. For I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying that you have sought me, you have asked me. You have said, Lord, what is thy will? What way should I go? And what steps should I take? For the Spirit would say this to you, I have been guiding your steps all along. For you have been praying, Lord, guide my steps. But I would say to you, I have already been guiding your steps. And the steps that you are taking is the direction that I am hastening you to go. Walk, says the Lord. And as you walk, I will further unveil my plan to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we receive that word today. We receive that word. And I thank you that what you're doing in us and through us is much deeper than we could ever imagine. See, a lot of people see a lot of dirt, but God says, I have removed that. There's gold on the inside of you. Tremendous gold. Tremendous abilities. Oh, did you catch it? Gotta be careful. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you're new to Christ Point Church, if this is different to you, if you see people talking languages you don't understand, or you see people on the floor, or you see people crying then we just want to remind you that the things that you see in here this morning is found in Scripture. But you don't have to do that. And you don't have to do that to love God. You can stand right where you're at. Nobody's going to ask you to come forward or pull you out. But sometimes when people sense the presence of God, they may cry. And some people feel so overwhelmed that they can't stand up. But nobody's pushing anybody over. They just feel overwhelmed. You may hear people shout this morning or cry or get loud, but all that is just a response to what we feel in our heart. Amen. So if we could, if you, if you want to, 
no pressure, but lift your hands right where you're at. And let's just thank the Lord for his presence. pray that there is a different spirit arising within us. Different perspective. Pastor Sean, go ahead, worship team. There is a river. And it came and it healed me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you today. Hallelujah. a river whose streams will make glad the city of our God. Oh, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. We'll rejoice I will rejoice and be glad. I will rejoice. Yes, now I will rejoice. I will rejoice. 